This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions podcast, the one that started it all. The one that caused this mess of podcasts all the time. Although during basketball season, we don't podcast as much as we do during football season. If they gave us a reason to podcast more, we would, but we don't. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson, right here in downtown Manhattan in the WTC Gig Pirate Studios as we talk to you about Kansas State sports. And unfortunately, the Kansas State basketball program fell to 0-2 on Tuesday night with a 59-57 loss to TCU in Bramlage Coliseum. What did they list attendance at it here, Riley? 7,119. So it was probably closer to four. I would be shocked if there were 4,000 people in those stands. Because if I understand their new um, philosophy on attendance things aren't just total tickets sold, they do Tickets sold for students and then attendance for all others. Is that the way it is? I, I thought, thought it was vice versa. I thought it was season tickets, alumni, and P- then plus student students. attendance. That's what I thought it was. Oh, so maybe, I had it backwards? Yeah. One I, of one of us is right. <laughs> I think I think Fitz had it backwards, since the student attendance can vary. Wow, then it was bad. Yeah. Because I I don't I don't see I don't <laughs> I don't understand that number then. Oh, man. It's so well, it's, school hasn't started yet. It's still kind of feeling holiday-ish if you're in that mode or you're recovering from the holiday, so you're kind of behind. People didn't attend, and let's be honest, the basketball team isn't fun to watch. Once again, they had their moments where they could have won a game, but they did not win a game Tuesday night inside the octagon of gloom. It's just the octagon. It's been the octagon since they lost to Colorado State. That's true. It's never been the octagon of doom after that. Oh, not doom in a favorable way. <laughs> doom is in. It's very depressing in here. Oh, boy. This is Questions Podcast. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I've got a little deeper voice today. It's kind of sounding six. Got a little cold I'm fighting off. Interesting. What? That you consider it sexy. Oh, yeah. Hello, ladies. I know you're out there listening. Save it for the overtime. Mm, Overtime. (laughs) Get into the fridge. They'll lower your voice a couple octaves with delicious alcohol. I'd argue that your voice raises when you drink. Yeah, that goes against this read. This read. (laughs) I scripted this read carefully. 
get in the fridge at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. Man. What if somebody's coming to Manhattan for the first time and they're like, I would love to go to the fridge. Fitz is always talking about it, but I just don't know where it is. What would you do, Zach? Do what? If you didn't know where something was and you knew the name of the business. I'd ask Fitz. Oh, sheesh. We're in trouble. I'd probably Google it, but who do I know? Uh, it's at I'm the corner of this street and that street. Uh, the segment is sponsored by Tanners. It's down there in Aggieville. Just stumble your way down there. You'll find Tanners. If you need to watch a game, that is the place. If you need a good burger, that is also the place. You need a night out with the, the fellas or the ladies, mostly fellas. It's a sports bar. Hate to be that kind of guy that says that the ladies can't go hang out at a sports bar unless you're looking for delicious items like me. That sounded awful. I really, nobody's looking for that. Are you Not saying even, that women don't watch sports? That was a bad one. That was so bad. That, yeah, I didn't know but, where you're going. But with that I one. don't typically think one of the girls have a girls' night out. Hey, let's go watch the ball game. I know more. And I don't know why they sound like that first. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't think so much they go. But if you've ever been to Tanner's on Singo Night, uh, it's kind of a girls' club. Yeah, that's true. They do. They do uh, it right on Singo. Yeah, it's not my thing. By the way, if you don't know what Singo is, it's bingo with songs. You have to identify the songs. And and you can cheat. It's and you can cheat. You can use a little, what's that app? Shazam. Literally Shazam. any Google Shazam. Nobody would win, though. If you didn't use Shazam, nobody I did, I would win. I think you should be held to knowing the songs. I don't think you can police it. Anyhow, there's no police at Tanner's. I'm just saying go to Tanner's to have fun. No matter what sex you are. And if you're looking for something as sexy as me, go get your eyes checked. My poor wife. This one's off to a nice start. I know. Well. (laughs) Just matching the performance of the basketball team. That's all. Guys, I'm going to say it's not fun to watch. It's not that they're losing. It's they're bad. They do play pretty good defense. But then again, the... Room for error is so small, they got a little window at the end of the first half where TCU scored and pulled away by 10 points at halftime, right, 10? And uh, I can't find it. Yeah, 35-25. There it is. They realigned their box scores, throwing me off. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's not at the bottom anymore. And that's all it took. I mean, K-State could never really get out of that hole. They had their moments. They got it tied up late on a David Sloan three, and then a giant human being tipped in a miss. It was wor- Zach and I just watched it um, in the office. They were showing the replay on ESPNU. It was worse on TV than I thought it was in person. The tip in? Yeah. Why? What do you mean worse? He had to try. Like I thought he made when I watched it the first time. When I'm watching it live, I'm like, wow, he made a great play. He went up there, grabbed it, tipped it in real quick. He like barely touched it with the tip of his finger, and he was just Pretty like, eh. and it went in. You rang. And they had Mike McGurl and David Sloan boxing him out. Oh, that's effective. Yeah, because Mac was out helping. Mac needed to guard somebody else than the big man. <laughs> Makes sense. K-State's 0-2 in the Big 12. That's not good. But, Zach, what did we learn last year? They went 14-2 and after that. Riley, will this team go 14-2 and after this 0-2 start? Hot take, they will not. Wow. Oof. Hope that limb is Hater. Because <laughs> you are out on that limb. We take your questions. We answer your questions as best we can. We try not to cry. 
We hope you laugh on occasion, and we hope you listen to the Overtime Podcast, which is much more nonsense than even this. Here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Zach. From Jim Cat, explain this. The last few minutes of the game, Weber was subbing in Sloan on defense from McGurl and Jada because they had four fouls, and he wanted to get them in on offense. Sloan's weakness is defense, and his offense is eight points and one turnover. McGurl, zero points, two turnovers. Jada, five points, four turnovers. I think Bruce Weber is so blinded by David Sloan being just a step behind on defense. He's not as good as the other guys, but he's not terrible Okay, I just want to say that. He's not that bad at defense. I saw him blow a rotation um, during that first half. He definitely doesn't have it figured out. I think Bruce is so (laughs) blinded by that that he doesn't see what he brings offensively. It frustrates me that Bruce cannot forgive a guy for blowing a rotation on defense, but he can forgive guys for repeated stupidity on the offensive end. I mean, Mikhail Moeen makes so many mistakes in the course of a game. Cardi Jada had four more turnovers. I mean, you can't have that from your point guard on a consistent basis. He played 20 minutes with four turnovers. Yeah, it didn't make sense. I mean, I understand he's trying to protect Cardi, but as it turned out, Cardi had committed a stupid foul anyhow. Just let him play. Cardi got lucky to be in the game when he did foul out. He should have been. The one where he got the breakaway layup was more of a foul than the one that he fouled out on. It was kind of a tackle. Yeah. Kind of bump the guy. Well, you know, it's Big Twelve refs don't make sense. I none of this makes sense to me. None of it. I don't understand. Would Antonio Gordon, who did not play, make a difference? Maybe. It's another. But they didn't. Get, they went down low early, but they didn't really. Other than the tip in and a couple dunks very early on, Samuel wasn't a big part of that game. I mean, he had a ton of rebounds. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that that was big, but. It's not like they just, just 15. Yeah. It's not like they kept feeding him the ball. I mean, maybe you you can test him a, bit, a little bit better for rebounds, but Antonio Gordon wasn't guarding the three-point line in the first half. Mack went 5 of 7 from the field. And yet nobody knew it. <laughs> and they only have him down for two turnovers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, some of the rotations don't make sense. So the, the thing is now is he's down to nine players, essentially, plus Pearson McAtee, bless his heart, who I love to death. But Screw it. Put Pearson on the floor more in the first I, half. I agree. He did. He put him out there a little bit. Just let him play, I guess. I mean, at this point, you just want guys that are going to play hard and do what you want to do. And I guess David Sloan doesn't do everything you want him to do. From Adam K sixty three is playing David Sloan only eleven minutes a crime. Yeah, man, I I'm 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 exhausted with it at this point. Like fighting the battle, I'm just gonna accept it for what it is. It's it's clear to me that that Bruce has a like I said earlier has a high defensive standard for David Sloan, and if he's not gonna meet it, then I guess David's just not gonna play. And he did if, play twenty one minutes. Though, so. He did get to twenty one. Okay, uh, yeah. The question was from the Oklahoma game. Yeah, and which, I agree with that. Which that didn't make any sense to me, but. What I didn't get about last night was David didn't get on the floor until Cardi picked up his fourth foul. I know. David played a great first half. I know. I'm not saying you got to start him in the second half, but get him in there at the under 16 or the under 12. Get him some time. It just didn't make any sense to me. But like I said, I, I'm done screaming about it. I I have my opinion, and, and I know what he brings to the floor. I'm not the coach. I don't get to call the shots. That's Bruce's call, and if that's what he feels, that's what he feels. But I think he's wrong. Yeah. From TN Cat, 
when will Bruce realize that we do not have a big man that deserves significant minutes to look at going with just a lineup of forwards and guards and play small ball? Couldn't do that against TCU. I guarantee it. Yeah, that would have been bad. Someone's got to guarantee that monster. He's huge. There's no way. He, what do they, would they have him down? Two fifty. No way. Has to be. They have him at six ten, two fifty. Uh, no way. Seventy. Yeah, he looks closer to. 6'11", 7 foot, 270. He's huge. He's an animal. And he's got soft hands. Like I thought, you said, I thought the he was tip gonna, in was just a little flick. I thought he was going to break that rim. That was monstrous. Monstrous. He's NBA. He's got NBA written all over him. Just stand down there, rebound, and put ball, the ball in the basket. If only they utilize the big man still. You still need one. Yeah, you need him down there. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't do it against TCU. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, Antonio and, and Montavious aren't exactly the go, throw it to him on the block, make a big man post move type thing. You know, they they kind of leak out. They go for the jumpers, the three point shots, and I'm all about it. Then you can run the floor better, which, according to everybody except for Bruce Weber, is the best offense that K State can do is run the floor. So if you go if you go with that small ball lineup, you're going to be in good shape. From Adam K sixty three, has Levi Stockard earned more playing time over McCall Maween? I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, which is wild. <laughs> it sums up the predicament predicament in which we find ourselves. <laughs> I can't help but think of the Paul Rudd <laughs> video. Look at us <laughs> before the season. We're here out out here just grilling Levi Stockard, and rightfully so. And now we want him to play more than McCall Maywin. Look at us. Who would have thought it? I wouldn't have. It's crazy. And it's not like Levi's playing amazing. He's just he's playing, he's playing better. smarter. He's better. He's smarter. He's not turning the ball over left and right. He's not missing easy shots. If if Levi Stockard is going to put the ball in the ho- at the hoop, he's going to shoot the ball. He's going to make it because he knows that he's not going to he's not going to take any shots that are going to be up in the air. He's only taking those guaranteed ones. <laughs> it's it just goes back to what we said a few weeks ago. It's I can't believe how much Mac has taken a step back. From Eric Black DV, I know we've all harped on Bruce for years about not being able to handle playing a zone, uh, playing against a zone defense. But for the love of Pete, when will Bruce and his teams figure it out? It is beyond ludicrous. Oklahoma man, I just I can't get over that comment from the radio. That's unbelievable. We didn't expect that. You should always expect it. I'm at the point now where I'm surprised the team doesn't just play zone. TC wouldn't. I mean, I love coaches that are just so committed to what they do, they refuse to do something different that would almost assure them a win. Maybe they just feel like it means everything to how they run the whole system, but... Zone Kansas State, and you get this befuddled look on five faces like, what is this insanity? We've never seen this before. Going back to the OU game, because we obviously haven't talked since that game, I get that OU OU had not played a second of zone defense this year before that game. I get it. You weren't thinking they would do that because of what they had done before. But you if you've had as many struggles as you have had against the zone, you should assume everybody's going to zone you. By this point, you have your man offense, 
I don't want to say mastered because clearly it's not mastered, but if you, this is mastered, we're in big yeah. trouble. You know what to do in the man offense, whether you execute it or not is up to you, but you know how you're going to run it. So if they come out in a man, you're good. You know what to do. The zone offense, and this is not a one-year thing. This is not a two-year thing. This has been every year, every year since I started covering this team, I can't think of a year where they did well against a zone against a zone defense. They don't have an effective zone offense to to run, and I don't think they'll ever get one. No, it's clear that they won't get one at this point. It's not fun to watch. They don't even have the shooter to run it. Who, if you had an effective zone offense to get you a three-point shot, who are you going to? Mike McGurl? Yeah. It's not good. I don't know. The question is, what, when will they solve it? I don't think ever. They won't. They just, he, I, I can't explain why Bruce Weber can't solve his own. It's unimaginable how bad they are against his own. It's unfathomable. What's another good N word? It's on cola. Uncola didn't, didn't work at all. Didn't work at all. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I reached, but yeah. Uh, let me sum it up this way: They suck against the zone. Back to you, Zach. Also from Eric Black TV: In 14 games, KSU has topped 70 points only three times. If you were the coach, what would you do to increase scoring? And do you think Bruce will do the same? I would make more baskets. Excellent analysis. Uh-huh. Shoot more shots. Yeah, keep shooting, guys. They're bound to go in. Like I said earlier, you got to run the floor. you got to get in transition. They're terrible in the half court. They don't have a half court offense that is effective. But when they run, because we've talked about it, they are a team of athletes. Not necessarily great basketball players, but they are a team of athletes. And they can make those plays in transition. Cartier Jada is at his best when he's in transition. And if he's going to be your starting point guard, if you're going to play him 32 minutes a game, get him the ball in transition. I cannot stress it enough. You can't expect Xavier Sneed to be creating jump shots for himself because he can't do that. I mean, that, that's just always been him. I mean, he's, he's a fine shooter. If he gets a look, yeah, but he's, he can't create for himself. He was 5 of 14 from the field. Oof. He won, won a 6 from three-point range, which, in case you didn't know this, that's better than 0 for 6. Yes. There we go. I'm going to find the positives on all these stats. I just I, – I hate to try to oversimplify it. I'm sure it's a lot, a lot harder than the way I'm trying to make it sound, but – you don't have to be a genius to watch this team and know that in the half court, they're bad. When it comes to playing zone defenses, they're bad. They got to get better shooters. We've said it for the last few weeks. Stop recruiting athletes and trying to force them into basketball players. Start recruiting some damn basketball players. And they have. They have recruited basketball players. They got, got them coming. I shouldn't say that. But but that's changed. That's changed. They, they, they have just focused on athletes. Cartier Jada is a perfect example. He was late to playing basketball. He was a dancer. He's an incredible athlete. We all understand that. He's very skilled in some things with basketball. But you've now asked him to become your point guard, which isn't an athletic endeavor as much as a mental, cerebral endeavor. He threw a bounce pass to Levi Stockard that never got above Levi's knees early in the game. You don't do that as a point guard. And you know when you learn that? When you're little, when you just start playing, 
Someone's dad will teach you that. Some guy that looks like me will tell you, yeah, you don't bounce pass a low pass to a big man in traffic. That's a turnover. You learn that as a little tiny basketball player just starting out on your way if you're going to be the point guard. And certainly by the high school junior high area you're learning how those point guard things those nuances the how to manage the team how to create for others watch david sloan play he gets that does he make a mistake now and then yeah he does because point good point guards will make mistakes because they gamble they're not, they're gambling on a good pass they're not making a bad pass cardia jada makes bad passes why he's not a point guard just because he's the right height and is athletic doesn't make him a general it makes him a a guy that's 63 I listen to 64 that's bs <laughs> and athletic he's a two get the ball out of his hands get the responsibility off of his shoulders from Fervent Purple, talk about the basketball freshmen a little bit. What do you see that you like so far, and what do each of them need to improve on as the season progresses? All of them give 110% every they time they're on the floor. All play hard. I love it. Now, they're probably going to hit a wall here in about seven games, eight games, yeah, whenever February hits. And I mean, that's just what everybody does. Like, the season is so much longer. So they all need to get stronger. There's no doubt about it. They all have to get stronger. You can see them get taken advantage of it with strength. When they get stronger and understand um, their bodies more, sounds like I'm talking about a routine. <laughs> uh, but I, Montavious Murphy tried to do something. He drove the lane and then tried to go off the ba- I don't know what. He drove the baseline, excuse me, then tried to go off the backboard, and I don't know what he, he missed the shot. Just, you know, you learn. The more you play, the more you learn, and the more, you know, you moved up in competition now and things are changed. you got to find new ways to create. They're going to learn the game more. They all have to shoot the ball better. But I feel like they all could shoot the ball better. I feel like they all have the ability to shoot the three with a consistent basis. Problem is, the shots don't always look the same. Your three-point shot has to look the same almost every time. Almost every time. I, f- I feel good about Dejuan Gordon becoming a a shooter from the outside. I think he, I mean I know he has that in his game. He's done it before, but he hasn't necessarily shown it at this level yet. Um, and so I, I I think again I think it's just one of those things that comes with time. That's why I'm not overly hard. That's why I'm very critical on Cartier Jada, McCall Maywean, those guys. But when the freshmen make mistakes, yes, it's very annoying. Yes, it's very upsetting. But you don't sit here and scream and and yell and get mad because they don't they don't know even five star guys make mistakes at times. I mean what? these guys, yeah, imagine that. Wow. So I don't know. I I like them. I certainly don't want to see any of them, you know, lose confidence or anything moving forward because they're going to need to be confident and and probably ahead of sophomores next year. They're they're going to have to play above the sophomore level next year. Right. But that's what this year is for. Is getting used to that. From Kned, the two latest recruiting classes were sold on a winning program. At what point do we worry that they stay or show up at all? Well, they're they're locked into letter of intents, so they can't just not show up and be try to be recruited somewhere else. And 
and go elsewhere. And they're gonna they would have to. Man, I don't even. That's probably never. Well, I mean, I'm sure. It's you go to junior college. You go to JUCO, and then you're freed up. If you went, if they decided to not come and go to a different D1, they would have to sit out. I think they lose a year. Yeah, sit out and lose a year. Unless you could find a way to claim that as your red shirt. No, no, you lose a year. You, okay, you yeah. have to redshirt and you lose a year. I believe that's the rule. Um, I don't think anybody's going to leave. No, I think they're sold. I think that if you're a freshman coming in, you're like, look at all that playing time, and they know how to win. They're just not doing it this year. It's not like they know this coaching staff has won two Big 12 titles. So, I mean, there's, this season is going to deter them. It's going it's to make them excited. I don't think they landed a top 15 or wherever they sit right now in the recruiting class. I don't know. I don't think they landed that class saying, you can come in and you can compete for playing time. I can't guarantee it for you. We got a lot of good players. No, I guarantee you they went in and went, we need help. Look at this. This is what we're left with. We need you. Things like that. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure. If it, if it continued over time, people got frustrated, bad bad chemistry in the locker room, whatever. Then sure, maybe somebody would leave, but I don't think that's the case, as of right now at least. Last question of the first half from KSUCAT80. Is there any hope for this year's basketball team? <laughs> oh, Such a depressing question. Is there any hope? You didn't I mean, define that, right? hope. Define hope. Is there any hope for this year's basketball team? We're all going to die. That's, <laughs> that's what he asked, basically. Uh, no. Define hope. That's what you got to do. Okay. Hope is what I'm clinging to. Look at those young guys play. Look how hard they play. Look at their games expand. Look at them get better. Look at Bruce suppress David Sloan. Oh, that's not hope. <laughs> kind of got lost. Uh, yeah. they've Folks, I'm going to tell you something. They've got something going on inside this team. There's there's more trouble brewing. They just There's something at work here that I don't like, and it's not just they don't have enough Jimmys and Joes. Because they don't have enough Jimmys and Joes. As I pointed out on the tweeter machine last night, they're playing a rotation of nine guys. Pearson McAtee's number 10, essentially. Nine guys. They've got two that are sitting on the bench eating scholarships. Sean Williams left open a scholarship, and Pearson McAtee is on scholarship for a senior season because it was open. That's four of the 13 you get. Nine guys. Four of them are newcomers. That means they have five players over three recruiting class classes that are even seeing time on the floor. You can judge how good they are. I mean, on your own. People were taking shots at Mike McGurl. I'll give Mike this. He busts his ass. I mean, I'm not saying Mike shouldn't be a Big 12 player. I'm saying he shouldn't be a Big 12 starter. They just... This all lays at the feet of the coaching staff. They did a miserable job of recruiting over the last three years. You can even do, argue they did a not-so-great job recruiting in the year where they got the big three. They had eight guys in that class. Eight. They got three out of that. Man. Ron Freeman was in that class. Ron Freeman. He went on to be okay. Some, didn't he go to Detroit or someplace? Um, I thought he went. He transferred down at first, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know where he went. You know, and Isaiah Maurice is doing okay at Memphis. He's a starter. I, I contend, though, he was a guy that needed a burnout. I put this on the boards earlier today. He just seemed like a guy that needed a burnout and be on his last chance to finally get it, and he got it. 
And his game improved at Juco. I mean. And let's be honest, he wouldn't be here right now. I mean, yeah. if he had stayed, he would have graduated last year with those other guys. Look, if I'm, let me put on my <laughs> K-State, I'm, I'm a K-State fan here for a second. Let me put on that cap. Okay. I lose, I start to lose confidence. Please I start to feel. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry Beep KU. <laughs> Sorry. I start to get really upset and disappointed in this program when they start getting blown out, when they start losing by 15 and 20 points and they start quitting with 16 minutes to play in the game. That's when I get really upset with this team. That's when I'm starting to quit watching. Right. As long as they're doing, I mean, look, they have done some things that make me want to punch a wall over the last two games. Uh, They've, I, I can't get over how bad the offense is. I can't get over how Cartier Jada is supposedly the starting point guard, but turns it over four times in a game and fouls out. Things like that. Yes, it frustrates me. You can't just be okay. If you're okay with this basketball right now, that's a problem. Yes, better times are coming, but that doesn't mean you have to accept this right now. All I'm saying is don't jump off the ship until it starts to go really, really bad because then that's when you can start to set off those alarm bells. So, yeah, I'd say there's a little bit of hope if you're taking that route. Don't jump off the ship unless it's really bad. Quote from Rowdy Gates, captain of the Titanic. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by The Fridge. (laughs) Take a drink. We'll be back. Stay locked in. The Powercat podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Questions Podcast, the Go PowerCat PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fritz Wholesale Liquor from the WTC gig-powered studios with the high-low sponsoring this segment. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson. That's all that information. Slap, damn, happy, bam, right there up front. That's going to be my new uh, my new. Signature line. Slap, bam, happy, bam. No, slap, bam. I was going to say, if you can't remember it, it can't be your saying. Whammy! <laughs> oh, man. We're a little giggy, giddy talking about, we're a little giggy too, talking about K State basketball. Boy, is it good news. There's a question that first half I want to go back and touch on. Someone asked about scoring more points. I know Bruce would like to score more points, he'd like to make more baskets. 
But he also doesn't want to get in a shootout with not many bullets in his gun. So, you know, why don't they go up and down? He doesn't want to increase possessions when you're a poor shooting team. Although, much to my surprise, K-State shot better from the field than TCU. Really? Significantly. 33.9% for the Frogs. And plus, they're frogs. They've got little tiny arms. I don't know how they even shoot. 42.9. Would you have guessed K-State shot 42.9 from the field last night? No. No. I felt like they were at the free throw line all night. How many free throws did they shoot? They shot 179. That's not right. That's not right at all. 19. 19 is all? <coughs> Dude, it shot felt, 17. That felt like they almost shot 30. Okay, here we go. Here's... Here's what's going to – they don't show this on the stats. I'm going to have to guess, I guess. 17 of 29. That's what K-State was from two. From two. What do we learn from that, Riley? Stop shooting threes. But, I mean, I told you that after the Oklahoma game. You didn't listen to me, so not you. What? Them. I'm sorry. Were you talking to me? I said after the Oklahoma yeah, game. I wasn't listening to you. Ah. Uh, hey, you know, I was watching uh, that ESPN network. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it's got a lot of sports on it. Not really entertainment like they promised. Entertainment and sports programming network. They have eSports now. Oh, now the E is actually for eSports instead of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, that's what we planned all along. Seth Greenberg, great former coach, and I really like him. I think he's really good in the studio. He, he lends hope to all bald men everywhere that we can succeed on camera. I made a great point about this new three-point line, one I hadn't really thought of. The intent of moving the three-point line back was to stretch defenses and increase scoring. And it's had the opposite effect because coaches have already diagnosed that there's not enough guys at this level that can consistently make that three-pointer. That making them move back, what, was it four inches? I thought it was a foot. A foot? Yeah, I think so. Was it a foot? Really? It's... Maybe not a foot, but it's a it's a it's it's a this. I'm holding my hands up, but it's. I was like, nobody's gonna know what you're talking about, Zach. That's like three feet. Uh, The three point line. (laughs) Oh wait, no, that doesn't give me the the change. That by moving it back. Go ahead. You got it. They're giving me the new distance. They're not giving me the change. Uh, I don't know what's the new distance. Twenty two feet one and three quarter inches. One and three quarters. Yes. Well, I don't think the old one had the three quarters in it. I suspect there's metrics involved here. Those Europeans are deciding American stuff. <clears throat> Anyhow, the point was by moving it back, you lowered the ability, decreased the ability of college players to consistently make that shot. So now defenses aren't going out to honor the three point line. They want you to take that shot because they suspect you are going to be at K-State and hit 4 of 20. 4 of 20. TCU was 10 of 27. They had some prayers that went in last night. So what's happened now is they don't have to honor that three-point shot. They don't have to even get to the three-point line. They can pack it in. You know, like an old uh, Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) What? (laughs) What's his name from Hoosiers? Oh, uh, uh, Gene. Uh, oh, for God's sakes. The coach on Hoosiers. I, Gene Hackman. Hackman. There we Good go. Good Lord. Who plays Norman Dale? 
My God. Do you remember the character's name? Yeah. Just pack it into the paint. Just pack it in. And that's what they're doing. It's it basketball's gotten even more ugly by this rule change. The three point line last season was twenty feet nine inches. This year it is twenty two feet one point seven five inches. So more than a foot. Wow. And on the sides it's shorter <clears throat> than yeah. whatever it was. Absolutely has to be. Well it cuts off the yeah. it goes. I'm looking, I'm looking line. at a graph yeah. right here. Yeah, because it would go out of bounds in the corner. I think they should allow that. Just go out of bounds. Shoot from out of bounds. <laughs> if you're taking a three-point shot on the wing, it is now a two, <laughs> even if you're next to the sideline. I'm telling you what, there's a lot of guys that have a bad habit of stepping back before they shoot that are in trouble with the, trying to shoot from the side because they come pretty close to stepping out every time. I don't know. It, it's the law of unintended consequences. I think basketball's gotten more ugly in their effort to stretch the court and, and open up space in the middle. Golden State Warriors ruined this game. San Francisco ruins a lot of things, <laughs> including San Francisco. Onward. Questions from Wabash Station. From Fervent Purple, people complain about Weber consistently sitting players for two fouls in the first half and for four fouls in the second half often citing that the players know how to play without fouling and that the player in question never fouled out. If Weber is consistent with his actions and the players are disciplined enough to not foul when they want to, why can't the players keep from picking up their second and fourth fouls? Well, you gamble a little bit more at second, third foul, fourth. <clears throat> fourth, you should, depending on the time of the game, you should be getting a little more careful. They did play. Weber did put Jada in with about six minutes to go with four fouls. I thought that was interesting. He kind of shifted him in now. He, you know, he didn't play him straight through. Still. He did foul out. Still very interesting. But he played about five minutes. In. But did you see what didn't happen when Cartier Jada fouled out? Nobody yelled at Bruce Weber about it. I thought we were supposed to do that. Didn't You didn't guys didn't do that? Yeah, exactly. Coach, uh, you played Curdy and he fouled out. Do you regret playing him at all? <laughs> Do you regret playing him at all? How could you expose Curdy Ajata to that kind of shame? He doesn't play. He doesn't foul out. And then you have him not to play, but he could play. <laughs> you done? I'm kind of liking this new character. <laughs> it. I mean, again, it's one of those things that it's like what I it's this rule with Bruce is like how I feel about the whole David Sloan thing. It's not going to change. So I'm going to quit yelling about it. I'm going to quit getting worked up about it when it happens, because I know that no matter how much it makes sense to me and everybody else out there, it doesn't matter. He's going to stick to this rule. Folks, that, that applies to everything. K-State basketball. It. If you're a ardent Bruce Weber supporter, and you've got reasons to be that way, I mean, I mean, they've been to an Elite Eight and two Big Joel championships. That's that's a lot of hardware, or happy times. I mean, the gloss over times like this. So I get it, I understand. But uh, it, once you see all the doubters, all the naysayers, just kind of check out. I saw a really zealous K-State fan I follow on Twitter. I can't remember his handle right now. Tweeting about something non-K-State sports related right in the middle of the game. 
That's when you got problems. When they stop showing up in Bramlage and they don't even bother to check out the score or watch the game, that's when you're in trouble. Ask our friends at Oklahoma State. Yikes, man. It's a pretty proud basketball program that has absolutely no momentum right now. None. The Thunder ruined college basketball in Oklahoma. Yeah. I'm telling you, K-State fans, if you want to ruin Kansas basketball, University of Kansas basketball, you become the biggest proponents of the NBA in Kansas City. Absolutely. It will wreck it. Attention will shift. Yeah, attention will shift, but more importantly, advertising dollars will shift into the NBA. That'll wreck it. Memphis hasn't been the same since they got a team down there. It's tough. There's only so many people that want to attend sporting events. It's kind of sad. Just would hate to see that happen at KU. Just would hate it. From KNED, why does Bruce Weber have such an affinity for guards who don't shoot great and don't handle the ball great? I mean, combo guards. Athletes. You didn't give enough pause there. It was dramatic. I mean, combo guards. There. Sorry, KNED. It's all about athletes. Athletes, 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 athletes. Athletes, athletes. And I get it. But you know what? There's good athletes that are basketball players, too. The, the thing is, is I don't see them recruiting athletes and then vastly increasing their skill levels. It took Wesley Owandu four seasons to figure out, I better learn how to shoot a basketball. Why? <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty telling that when X, who I think will get drafted this year, I don't know, on body maybe, but let's just play my hypothetical. Let's say X gets drafted this year. The last two NBA draft picks for K-State – are guys that didn't show out in basketball, you know. I mean, they they were fine, but they had their obvious struggles. They didn't have jump shots. They, you know, they were drafted on body alone. Right. That's why Wesley Wondu was almost a first round NBA draft pick, is because he's six foot six or seven. So it works in some situations, but you can't make that your focal point. You got to go get some guys, man. And I think they got some guys. I think David David Sloan, I'll say this, I wasn't on board with it because I didn't know enough about him when they started recruiting him. Then as I got to, I did more research on him, now that he's here and playing, holy cow, that's a basketball player right there. Yeah. They got that. He's played it his whole life. He knows how to play it. Exactly. So you got to start, you got to start finding more of those than leaning towards the athlete. I think they have some in the next class. I think they do too. I do think that they It's just taken them seven, eight, nine years to figure it out. From Texas Cat 93, why wouldn't Bruce just turn this season over to the freshmen? Give them game experience, they'll learn to mesh as a group, and next season we can start off solid. It's kind of funny because if I asked you that right now, if I said, do you feel like he's turned it over to the freshmen, what would your answer be? Uh, No. Yeah, you you wouldn't think that he has turned it over to the freshmen, but... In all honesty, he's starting to do that. Mm-hmm. If you if you go look at the stats and you go to minutes and you go to a, uh, average minutes played per game, X is at the top, Cardi is two, Mike is three. Those are very understandable top three. Those need to be the top three. Then 
Montavious Murphy, Dejuan Gordon, and Antonio was ahead of Mac before last night. He's .2 minutes behind him right now. They're starting to take over. He's starting to play him more. Now, it's never going to reflect in the starting lineup. He's never going to start two of them. He's probably never going to start three of them. But he's leaning that way. I mean, I think he should. Don't get me wrong. I think that Montavious Murphy and Antonio Gordon, when healthy, should probably both be in the starting lineup. But he's not going to do it. But he's starting to go that way, and I like that. I didn't realize that until I was doing some some research for a story this weekend. I looked up at one point, and he had uh, Sneed, Murphy, Stockard, Dejuan Gordon, and Cardi on the court together. I'm like, I like this. Now, I would like to see him do that with maybe Antonio instead of Levi. Or maybe Sloan at some point mixed in there. But when you got nine guys, you can't move around the pieces too much. You, you pretty much, you're going to have to play all nine. You're just going to have to reallocate. And he's slowly reallocating to the freshmen. And as much as we want to sit here and say, hey, put your faith in the freshmen. Hey, put them all on the floor at the same time and let them figure it out. You will get embarrassed. <laughs> it will not be good. If you play all of them at you one time. You want to humiliate them. You just don't want to break their senses. Oscar DeShibwe will do bad things to some of these freshmen. And he is also a freshman, but a little bit different. From KNED, is Bruce Weber a coach to win type of coach or a coach not to lose type of coach? There's a difference. If the latter, is that why he has such an issue with some fans? This is an interesting question. That's a great question. Because I... I want to say more that he's a coach to not lose coach to not lose coach but no see I would say he is that's how he coaches and then he asks his players to win like just go make that play and he doesn't have the guys to do that anymore he did with Barry Brown Dean and Kamau you had those guys Okay, we're close. We're going to win this game. He wants the game close, and he feels like his team can win 70% of those games. This year I got bad news. It's about 10%. So far it's been like UNLV, basically. Man, that feels like so long ago. I know. I miss Vegas. I don't. <laughs> I guess I just don't see him. He doesn't seem all that aggressive with his coaching, and that seems kind of weird because he's always you know, up and moving, and he's never stops coaching. But I don't feel like he draws up these go get em type of plays. It's more, it's it's like reaction, you know? You shouldn't be, for the zone, I hate to pound the zone thing again. Your reaction shouldn't be, oh crap, they're in zone, what do we do? It should be, this is what we're going to do, we're going to beat you with it. That's a, that's a coach to win type of guy. Right. So I just haven't seen enough of that. And I don't think it's necessarily always bad to be a, like it's not a knock if you're a coach to, coach not to lose type of guy but it does come back to bite you probably more often from dr j 54 assistant coaches in football are discussed endlessly but assistant coaches in basketball seem to be invisible what about bruce's assistance does he have a great motivator that can deal with the locker room issues does he have a first class recruiter does he have the assistant assistance he needs for a top program or is he being too loyal to who he ha- who he likes and who can be too loyal to certain players right. i'll always call it the dana demel syndrome 
It's so it's the thing with football is you can be you have your scapegoats. You know who's in charge of the offense, who's in charge of the defense, who's in charge of special teams, who's in charge of the receivers, who's in charge of the quarterbacks. And rather than blame the head coach when something goes wrong in football, <laughs> you can just point to the coordinator and say it's their fault rather than accept the fact that the head coach might have issues. Chris Lowry coaches the defense. He and Weber do that together quite a bit. Honestly, offense, I don't know. I I mean, Brad Corn does the bigs. I'll let you guys judge that. <laughs> Look, he's not going to ever replace anybody. The only time he's ever replacing anybody is if someone leaves. Chris Lowry is not leaving his side until the day he retires. Right. So he's going to be there. I mean, if you just look back at his time at K-State, Alvin Brooks and Chester Frazier are the only two coaches he's ever replaced. And he brought in guys that were nearby. And he only replaced them because they left for other jobs. Basketball is not a sport where you're going to fire a lot of assistant coaches because of a, an ineffectiveness of something. I mean, that just, that's not just K-State. That's everybody. But I also think that that doesn't necessarily mean all the time, hey, let's just ignore the fact that like they're doing something they got to be responsible for something and at times maybe they should be held a little bit more accountable for their actions and or, or their lack of of success on the floor so i th- it's one of those things that you can i mean people have kind of posted on the boards recently over the last few weeks when does brad corn start getting held responsible for the lack of development of bigs that i get it i don't blame you for your frustration but I mean, they're not ever going to solely blame Brad Korn. And I don't think even if they fired Brad Korn and brought in somebody new, that suddenly these big men would just take that next step and would suddenly become elite big men. That's just just kind of the sport. Let's be honest. They are what they are. You could probably improve these guys, but what are you trying to develop? I mean, seriously. I'm trying to move my mic here. What are you trying to develop? There's These are recruiting issues, not development issues. I mean, you might as well turn me into a college post. I couldn't do it either. From Texas Cat 93, do you have any idea who K-State could realistically see in the non-con for next season in hoops? Is everything kept hush-hush until schedule release, or are some of the matchups known in advance? I mean, they make calls behind the scenes. They talk to people, set up game. I mean, we know that they'll play Alabama. And it'll probably get shipped off to the Sprint Center, I'm sure, because God forbid anybody ever plays in Manhattan. For the SEC Challenge? Yeah. Oh, I guess that game probably wouldn't get shipped out, would it? Sorry, I was overreacting there. They'll play an SEC team. They'll play a Big East team. A Big East team probably on the road. Yeah, it'll be on the road. They're done with the Tulsa series. I mean, all... Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. It's better for K-State, actually. They they don't announce them like football, so it's tougher to keep track of that. Despite what's said in the public realm, not every single game on the non-conference schedule is scheduled three years out. They don't have next year's done yet. No, it's different than football. They could they could call up somebody in, well, not not July. That's wrong. They could call up somebody late uh, and and get them on the schedule. It's just t- it's it's all up to the coaches on and the other schools on on who wants to agree to home and homes. All I can tell you about the future basketball schedule, like we said, they'll have the SEC team, they'll have the Big East team, they might have one 
kind of G5 type school, and then they'll have a bunch of Alabama states. That's what I can tell you about mm-hmm. the 21, 2021 basketball schedule. Is there a bunch of Alabama states? Alabama State at Southern Alabama? Yeah, there's seven, actually. Okay, good. Good. They need to all be on the schedule. Uh, we shift into football to in the Woo! podcast. Uh, a few questions. One from Itain BB. Do you think that all of the football assistant coaches come back next year or no? If anyone leaves, who would that be? The only way that anybody's leaving K-State on, I mean, it's January 8th now. The only way anybody's leaving is if the new Baylor coach has ties to any of these coaches. Or, I mean, I think that that's it. I don't think there's any other major openings. And I'll be stunned if Baylor doesn't just hire from within. Yeah. They, they need to keep this rolling. They don't need to start over with a new coaching staff. They need to promote, fill in the slots, and go. I mean, I might be forgetting a team, but I don't think there's any other openings out there right now. I think the coach staff will be intact. I do, too. Now, I can't promise you that it'll be intact for the next two to three. Well, I think a part of it is, winning. I think these guys, even though, you know, some of them came with Coach Kleiman and some were brought in separately, and Colin Klein, of course, was here. I think they all enjoy each other. I kept hearing about how much fun they're having with this team and this program and at Kansas State. I think the best way to evaluate it would be to interview all their wives. If you got a wife who hates this town or whatever, you're probably leaving pretty soon. <laughs> but I, from what I hear, everyone's really happy to be here. And, you know, if they can keep this group together for three years and get that recruiting and coaching consistency, it really sets the table. Now, I guess there's still NFL jobs. I think about Scotty Hazleton going back to the NFL. That's probably the only realistic I'm not saying it's. No, I'm not saying realistic. it's close, but it's realistic. Does anybody know off the top of their head if he had any success in the NFL? Was, was he just a good a, NFL coach? He was just position coach. Yeah. I. I wonder what the. I mean, we know what he's getting paid. In case I mean, he's getting paid five fifty. I think is what it was. I wonder what the pay would be for because he's not going to be an NFL coordinator. I wonder what the pay would be for a position coach in the NFL. Uh, not that. I mean, he. I was going to say. I mean, he's getting to the point in his salary where it's like. Man, staying at K State is about the best thing he could do, unless they were willing to pay him stupid money to be a coordinator elsewhere or be a head coach somewhere. Didn't Monacino leave to be the position coach, linebacker coach? Yeah. So it was. I think that was more about not wanting to be here. I don't think he ever wanted this job. He just needed a job, and then a better one came along. He's an NFL guy. But the comparison's there. Fair enough, Zach. (laughs) Next question is from Salthawk Cat. Is it really that hard to recruit to Manhattan? We should have a good basketball recruiting class coming in and just got a four-star quarterback. Has that narrative been overplayed? I've been saying this for years. It's the dumbest narrative, I think. Look, Manhattan has disadvantages. It's not a big population base. If you're like, I saw a tweet that Georgia Tech had 10 potential recruits in for a game last night, 10 over a number of classes, because they're all from Atlanta. I mean, you know, that's just an advantage K-State will never have. But I'm with Riley. I've never accepted that it's hard to recruit to Kansas State. There's enough examples of basketball and football programs in rural areas that have succeeded. The problem isn't Manhattan small. The problem is the general population numbers around Manhattan are small. There's just not a big pool from which to select. 
So the problem isn't it's hard to get kids to come to Manhattan or they don't like Manhattan, I guess. It's that there's not enough of them right here to bring into Manhattan. When your talent is coming from every which other way of the country, nobody's going to be taking multiple visits to K-State. It's expensive to get on a plane and do that three times. But I I always hated it when people would say, oh, like it, like Texas Tech, for example. When, when Texas Tech was on the rise in basketball there, I kind of about – you know, two years ago, whatever, as, as Beard started getting it going, oh, well, it's easier to recruit to Lubbock than it is to Manhattan. Huh? Are you kidding me? Huh? We drove to Lubbock. There's not sign of intelligent life within three hours anyway. Nobody's going, nobody's really going that. Uh, Sorry, Cashew, number one. Sorry, Amarillo. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, that was harsh. You hurt some opossums. It was awful. I'm just saying that. So look, every time the coach says, "Oh, it's you know, it's really tough to to get kids to campus. It's tough to to want, make them want to visit Manhattan," then they don't like you that much. If they like you, they'll find a way to come visit. From Wizard six two nine four, last question of the podcast: Are some of the football transfers we have seen recently a good or bad thing? Trimming the fat and getting scholarships back from players who wouldn't see the field or losing quality players that would have got playing time eventually. I don't know if this is in reference to guys like Logan Wilson and, and Chris Heron or if it's in reference to guys like Luke, Luke Sawa and, and uh, Darren Bowles. Yeah. Those guys weren't going to play at K-State next year. They had graduated. They went through senior day. Somehow they got medical hardships. The only reason I did a story on Luke and tweeted about Darren is because they popped up in the portal. They are there. Means they're eligible to get another year. So they got a yeah. year. They graduated K-State and they have a year left. So those aren't alarming. No, I don't even. And, and the other ones aren't even that alarming, I don't think. It's. Kids come and go. Yeah, it just happens all the time. Kids come and go. I mean, you're talking about a handful of kids off of a 85-man scholarship limit. So they come, they go. You refill them. They come, they go. You just try to keep more. I bet you, on average, teams probably lose what, like 10 or 12 guys a year. And you don't always know the backstory why a kid's leaving. Maybe he's unhappy. Maybe he smokes a lot of dope. You just never know. Maybe he was asked to leave. You yeah. know, like you know. There's been cases of players that have left who just simply weren't going to be eligible because they had suspensions related to substance abuse, but they wiped their slate clean and get to go play somewhere else. So you don't always know the backstory. I'm not worried about football transfers. I don't, not yet. I wish they could get a six foot nine, two hundred and fifty pound post player to transfer in for football that Bruce could borrow. Basketball. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Football. Misunderstood. Bruce could borrow. Yes, that'd be fun. We're going to stop talking now. This has been the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. We do this every week, except for weeks when we don't do it. Figure that out. You've been listening to the Powercat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.